Known for their witty banter, it's Better Buddies. And welcome back to Better Buddies. I'm your host, RJ. With us this week, it's John. Hello. And James. Hello, hello. Our Better Buddies icebreaker this week. What was the most unexpected class you took in college? Oh. Hmm. Uh, for my answer. <laughs> so, yeah, go for when it. I went to college, the first year you had to take like an intro to university, introduction to the university, general social class. That's kind of like a one credit. Here's a bunch of people, take this class together, and like learn about how to exist on campus and do some fun activities. And mm-hmm. like do that once a week. But, there was an optional second semester like follow up where it was kind of like, hey, like, I don't know if this is even something that was offered to all of them or just because I was in, like, a learning community, academic community kind of thing. But the teacher for the class looked at us and said, hey, I'm your advisor for your learning community. Do you all want to take a follow-up course next semester on whatever topic you want, like, that you agree on as a class? And we were like, sure. Yeah, we'd be into that. What like and somehow, I don't remember how, but somehow our it basically be turned into a once a week one credit course on incarceration and solitary confinement. Ah, uh, the college experience. That's so cool. It's funny you say that. <laughs> Part of the class, I had to measure our dorm rooms. Fun fact, the standard college dorm room is approximately the same square footage as two solitary confinement cells. But they are much better furnished. True. Very, very true. But we actually, like, brought in a a volunteer group that brings, like, a mobile solitary confinement cell to places to show, like, hey, this is what people experience. This is what it's like inside. This is the amount of room they have to move around in for 23 hours a day or 24 hours a day or whatever the fuck it is. Was it like, was it, did you get like freaked out? Like, did they, did you actually get to go inside it? Uh, yeah. And not like it, it wasn't like a, oh, you're stuck in here. It was like, Hey, step in, read the panels, like look at it. And so I actually got to go inside. Like I helped with them getting it set up and stuff. And it, it's small, dude. It's like a, I think it's like 11 square feet, some shit like that. So it's 11 by 11, right? Uh, no. That would no. be 121 square feet. What is 11 square feet, then? Like... Whatever the square root of 11 is times itself. Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, based on a quick Google, solitary confinement cells are uh, about 6 feet by 8 feet. That is pretty small. It's like a... <laughs> <laughs> if it were 11 square feet, it would be 3.31 by 3.31. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I got close. Uh, <laughs> I got close. Yes. It is forty-eight square feet. Actually, that it's honestly, that square footage may be somewhat similar to my room back in New York. I'm not even like playing right now. Like I, I'm. Uh, let's. He see. doth not jape. I doth not. 
A porta potty is three point six by four feet. Oh, I can yeah. live in a porta. I can live in a porta potty. They didn't have to make it a, a solitary confinement cell. So just <laughs> live there. How long would you would you guys stay in a porta potty for ten thousand dollars? I mean, I get the ten thousand dollars no matter what, based on your question. So long enough to use it. <laughs> Well, you like how long? <laughs> I gotcha. Oh I got shit! You. You're right. You're how right. long would you stay in a porta potty for ten thousand dollars? Let's rephrase the question here. If yeah. I made you stay in a porta potty for eight hours, how much money would you want out of that? What do I get to bring what's into your, the porta potty? What's your price? Whatever you want. Ooh. See, that's the. I'll do eight hundred. $800 for eight hours? Dude, I'm not going to ask for something ridiculous like $100,000. Yeah, I mean, that's like, I think, nah. I think you got to be reasonable. I'm not going to be like, it's a oh, hypothetical. It's just how much money be, would you take? Because, What's your uh, price? yeah, what, what is, what your is price? eight hours of your time cost? Um, I think eight hours of my time plus the discomfort. Is this like a fresh new porta potty? Because I think that changes no. it for me. I don't think it should be. I if think it's not. A, I if think it's, it's like if it's it is your average porta potty. Average porta potty. Okay. Yeah. I think not for eight too hours, bad, not too good. I want eighty thousand dollars. Oh my god! <laughs> Why? You're what? Oh, look one. at the look at the big man, <laughs> James. One. Ten thousand dollars an hour, RJ? Are you yes! kidding me? To sit to in the goddamn porta potty? potty? Fuck yeah! I take oh that. Oh my again, god. James. It's not, what is your time worth? It's not, if somebody realistically could pay you to sit in a porta potty what would you charge them? It's, you have to be in a porta potty for eight hours. How much money do you want? Yeah, but that's, that's, it's measuring, it's, like, it's, it is measuring how much you personally think, like, I guess, I don't so know. So I guess what it's, what I, mean? I guess what we're really saying is eight. I value myself a lot more than James does. I'm just saying, maybe that <laughs> sense is overinflated. It's eighty thousand dollars to sit in a porta potty, RJ, for eight hours. That's like, Again, that's an insane eight hours. request. It's gonna stink. You're gonna Most get people cramped don't up. Make that in a year. And I'm that's not making true. it every year. I, for You're eight saying hours, I get you sitting in a porta potty is worth more than the more than the average American teacher makes in their salary. You deserve <laughs> for sitting in a porta potty with, and you can bring in day. anything you want. You can bring in anything you want to entertain yourself. So it's not even like you're stuck. You don't even you have to mind. get in the toilet. You're not even I, in the actual, like, sewage. You know what I mean? Why are you like, only charging $800 to have to be stuck in a porta potty for eight hours? Just, that's reasonable. That's like... We're not that, talking I, about I, reason. It's not reasonable to sit in a fucking I, porta potty for eight hours. No, you're worried, BB. As a matter of honor, as, like, I am not going to ask for, like, I think maybe at the most bill fucking gates most, walks up to you and says how much do you want to sit in a porta potty for eight hours so that me and my rich friends can laugh about it i say bill Jeff put the video himself mucky dance <laughs> what's your price fucking amazon uh, bezos man walks up and says how much check do you want i have mu- yes. more than one uh 
<laughs> I have many check. Well, first, whatever millionaire approaches me or billionaire, I'd ask them to put the camera down. The no cameras. No cameras. Allowed. There are no cameras. No, no cameras. it's the same question John asked. It's just that it's Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos or other fucking rich prick I, who's got the it, money. It, 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 it would be it would be the same it would be the same thing because you would it, for me, charge Jeff Bezos eight hundred dollars for you to sit in a porta potty for eight hours. It's the matter. It's it's a matter of like principle. It's like it, it's like I am not going to. I think eight hundred is a fair amount. A hundred dollars an hour is an insane amount to make at anything that you do. Like for eight hours, and if I get to bring like a book in there, like yeah, it's gonna smell and suck. But it's like you could bring a book, a portable. You could bring a gas mask. You wouldn't even have to smell it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've sat somewhere for eight hours. Like I, I, I think eight hundred for me is like that's reasonable. I'm not saying necessarily you can't charge that much. I just think it's insane to charge eighty thousand dollars to I sit could have said in a portable body. John's I, I question know. was literally just: you have to sit in a portable body for eight hours. How much money do you want? I, I, I it was, know it was poorly phrased. That, that's correct. This is this. I'm not. Gonna... You can just say I want eight billion dollars, and it's like, yeah, you, that's, that's how much I want to sit in a porta potty so for eight why hours. Why would anyone give you anything if that's gonna be? <laughs> James, we're not gonna sit in the porta potty. I'm just saying. Oh, I'm just. I want to know, John. What what are you going to charge? All right. Hours? What are you going to do? Right. I want to. Right. I want to hear. One jazz. moment. I have no idea. Oh, we're going to find a porta potty. Okay. And are we running this? Are we going to be one of those YouTube shorts that offer strangers money to do something? A thousand. But it's clearly staged ahead of time. If we get a thousand downloads on a single episode, we will find a porta potty. No cuts. Video of James and I going to the porta potty and. Either after eight hours or whoever lasts longer gets eight hundred dollars. Yeah. Okay. I, I would do that. Yeah. Sure. And it's we'd, fine we'd because it. we're never going to get a thousand downloads on a single episode. So. <laughs> Careful what you yeah. wish for. You hear that, you guys? Hey, I've got it's the money. I can foot the bill. So right? you're never going to see it. If I'm going to give James eight hundred dollars because he outlasts me in a porta potty, uh, fine. You know what? That's life. We also have to time box this. We also have to find a porta potty. <laughs> Yeah, that's easy. Yeah. We can do that. But we need to put a cap on this so it's not like 20 years from now when this episode crosses a thousand dollars. Oh, I see. <laughs> okay, time cap of five years. Okay. Okay. I think that's right. reasonable. Yeah, that's fair. That's, yeah. I, I'll agree to that. And this is Digital... the tragic moment where I go into the into the statistics afterwards and realize, oh shit, a single episode has a thousand downloads. Yeah, viewership of has our grown. three thousand plus downloads. <laughs> hey, never say never, my man. Someone, you know, people might be listening through after this thing's blown up, and they'll discover this little gem, uh, as well as our gum app, yeah, the gum, the gum challenge. I don't even remember what that oh, was. I forget about the was gum. It like a hundred downloads. We would it was a hundred. If, if we, yeah, if we get a hundred downloads, we'll. I thought it was like we'll review gum. Yeah, like we'll get a bunch of gum was. and we'll review it. That's what it was. Did we get there? I don't know. Had the people been waiting? I don't know the numbers, man. You know? Well, John, James, what weird college course did you take while I look up how many 
what our highest We're going to spend is. another hour on the icebreaker this week. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Can't wait. Actually, no, we're not, because we got to talk about Oppenby. But I oh, haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen either, yeah. You're welcome, I have. Oh, damn. But we're not going to contribute to the conversation. You can ask me questions. <laughs> but I'm just going to go see the movies eventually. I don't you want should. To. You <laughs> just straight up should. <laughs> Uh, I'll think of I'll think of one question to ask, but I want no. I'll have to think of I'll think of how to phrase it. Uh, John, do you have any like college classes that would fit into the to that unexpected? Okay. Um. So my major was pretty open. I had some room for electives, and I came in with like eleven credits or something from a mm-hmm. Spanish class. So, um, I had some room, and one year. My advisor's like, yeah, you should go take linear algebra. Go learn some math. So I did that. Um, And it was fine. It's like the only exam I ever failed in college. And it's just because I didn't try. Um, I learned after that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Uh, And then, yeah. We are 33 downloads away. And it's due to episode one having 77 downloads. Okay. Oh, my gosh. That's Uh, exciting. My apologies, John. Continue. Yeah, but yeah, after I took that class, I went back to my advisor, and he's like, why the hell did you take that class? Mm-hmm. I was like, you told me to. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, oh. so that that was something. Um, <laughs> I have not retained any of it, because I really just crammed for four hours before the exams and never really did homework. Anyway. Um, my real answer is the two art classes I took because they were a lot more work than I thought they'd be going into it, but they were a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah, just like a general principles of design one where we did like 10 projects in several different mediums. And then one was just like a specifically graphic design where I learned like Photoshop and Illustrator. Cool. Did you uh, did you learn anything about yourself? Did you did you have an artistic experience? Did you connect with uh, with a muse? You know, um, I now feel like people are more creative than they give themselves credit for, but it is very hard to get started. That's fair. That's a great <laughs> so if you have, have something to push you to do it, then great. You'll pro- you're probably capable. You'll fun- probably do better at it than you think you will. But if you have nothing to push you to, you're not likely to ever get started. Yes. Yeah. That's well said. Very. James? What's, I, that? So, What's your weird-ass college course? I, uh... <clears throat> so... For anyone who doesn't know, like I transferred schools and even before I transferred schools at the one school I was going to, at the first school I went to, I, as I was kind of like leaving, I went to school initially for film and then I hopped around a bunch of different departments adjacent to film. And one of the classes I took while I was kind of shopping around and trying to find stuff that I liked or stuff that would fit, fulfill some requirements, uh, I took a television studies class, which... Um, is exactly what it sounds like. Like the whole class was basically treating television as a legitimate artistic, uh, medium, uh, just with heavy influences from the actual business and like studying parts of its history and talking about like 
different shows and what they meant to the culture at the time. Um, like we watched like episodes of uh, like shows like Pushing Daisies or uh, Westworld. That's that class is the only reason I ever saw the first season of Westworld. Uh, same thing with uh, Master of None, which was like a show with Aziz Ansari a few years ago. Um, it was in a way it was essentially just an excuse to watch a bunch of TV. Um, I did think it was like really cool though, because it was like, uh, like I had never seen television presented like academically and it just opened my eyes to this. Like there is this little niche that is like, it is there and it's like growing like bit by bit of like, it's literally like television studies. Like there's a, there's a joke in the show community uh, in one episode where one of the characters, Abed, attends a class that is all about uh, a TV show from like the 80s called Who's the Boss? And the the premise of the class is that he's attending this, sh- this class to find out the answer to the question that the title of the show poses, Who is the Boss? And that was basically television studies. <laughs> like you're basically just like treating television like you would like like literature from like a few hundred years ago and you're like examining it there's a whole scholarly body of work that analyzes television as this like this fascinating intersection between like like technology and art and business and kind of like what it means Mm -hmm. is we humans are continually continuing the long-standing tradition of analyzing what is popular in media and appreciating what is popular in media such as Shakespeare and Dickinson. <laughs> yeah, essentially. They were it's, the TV it's pretty of cool. Day. <laughs> like, it was it yeah, no, that's that's a that's a point well made. Yeah, it's it's essentially just cr- uh, critiquing and studying yeah, the the popular media of the day and I think given television's uh, history, it, it's equally fascinating, especially given the fact that it's a, it's a highly American uh, medium. So our country especially has uh, kind of a vested interest in, in studying it. Um, but yeah, yeah. So that, that was one where it was like, it felt like, I was like, I can't believe that this is like, like I'm getting to write essay, like comparative essays on like Westworld uh, as like how it affected you know the culture around it um and stuff like that so uh unexpected and uh fun and i cannot remember my uh my teacher's name um but she was really really good so if you're ever listening to this you were a fantastic instructor and thank you because you made that class great nice all right our next segment Better Buddies Recommend, where we recommend a piece of media to enjoy for the first week in, like, two or three weeks we've gotten past the icebreaker. Hey. Woo! Uh, if only I had something to recommend. Nothing? The other, the other weeks were just filibustering, so we didn't have to get to this part. At least three on deck. <clears throat> Yeah, I've got I've got one that I can do. It's definitely going to be a repeat, but I I'll do it. I go for it. So I recently I didn't rewatch all of it, but I rewatched a pretty large portion of it. Uh, I recently rewatched South Park, and I kind of finished my rewatch of it um, today. 
Uh, and I did something where I kind of started like actually in the middle of the series run. So like season seven, and then I went like all the way up to like season 14. And then I went all the way back to season one and I went back up to like season seven. Um, I've never done that before. South Park is one of the only shows that is like big enough to let you do that. It's a very interesting way to like process, uh, that kind of like the those stories and that experience um and i would highly recommend if you haven't seen south park uh to go and watch it it is uh i say this with a lot of shows but i want to put this down now like this is definitive i think south park is my favorite television show it combines basically everything that i love into one show like animation comedy uh like genuine kind of just like this this very awesome feeling that it really is just a group of people making something week in week out that they're proud of like putting in kind of silly jokes i do think the show gets stale past past about season 14 like i'm not a huge fan of it um from then on but for the it's first for its first like seven seasons it is it is solid. It is pretty good. Uh, it's it's so fun to watch those early seasons where it's literally like this creative team that's spearheaded by a couple guys who are like 28 or 29 and they accidentally create this show that becomes like this pop culture phenomena. Like South Park was huge when it first came out. It was so big. And to watch the show kind of mature and slowly grow and take on different forms and step into different kind of roles and then watch it slowly age and, and start to kind of phase out of that that youthful energy is kind of sad but it's still uh endearing in a way and um i'm not again a fan of the newer stuff they've done but um i think that show is like an enduring cultural icon and i love it for its sheer creativity and its fun and this little world that it built and i think like it has kind of shaped uh all of us in ways that will take many many years to, to truly uh discover um so please watch what i would call is the greatest uh televised weekly comic strip of all time please take some time find an episode or two within those first 10 11 seasons and uh you do have yourself a nice little south insult. park night no i don't don't even say that, RJ. Don't even joke about that. South Park is an amazing. It is it, the the fact that they did produce the show and continue to do it like week to week, and they were able to sort of like do that, like I'm the characters in it. <clears throat> no, but that's the beauty of it. like I. You're right. You're right. Like, but South Park is essentially just like it is essentially an adult swim version of peanuts or a nineties version of peanuts. I would even say like it, it even, it makes references. To, it's a, it's a I bunch guess. of kids who are in a town <clears throat> where things that are somewhat at times connected to the real world happen. It's, it's and the anti peanuts. Yeah. I so it, it is, it is to peanuts. What it all, it's always sunny is to the office is what I would say. That's, um, yeah. So I would I would recommend it. I know it's not everyone's cup of tea. I actually find the animation somewhat charming. I like that crude style. I do think the animation love... is amazing. I think that yeah, was a brilliant. I... Like, had not really, or even if it had been done before, it hadn't gotten popular before. I, I can't think of any other show like that where it's that 
paper, like, stop-motion-y style. Because that's what it was originally, right? Was that they literally just had paper cutouts. Yeah, that was the... And the... Yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. The The very first episode of the show is is all... And it's so cool, because they've, they've, like, touched up the fidelity, but they've never gone in and digitally redone it. Like, that first episode of the show, and you can go watch it on... HBO or any uh, other stream platforms or whatever, like that is the original. It's it's all it is is construction paper and that's it, you know. So, um, I, I I like the little world they were able to to build out of that. I think there are times and shots in the show that are actually kind of beautiful, uh, especially in the earlier seasons. And there's something weird I find weirdly comforting about sometimes just these little shots of these characters walking and this like quiet simple uh mountain town i think it's it's almost kind of pretty so yeah nice go watch south park john do you want to go or do you want more time to think um have i talked about stories of your life by ted chang yet i may have a few uh, weeks ago uh i can't remember familiar um well if i did i'm gonna do it again uh heck yeah it is so you know the movie Arrival. This mm-hmm. might also jog your memory. It's based off of a short story called Story of Your Life, um, which plays out mostly the same. There are a few alterations for the movie, um, but it's in a collection of short stories by this guy named Ted Chang. And most of the, well, all the ones I read so far are good. I'm only like halfway through it, but there's um, the story arrivals based on there's like a story of the Tower of Babel, but if they never stopped building it hmm. and like what happens when they get to the top. Hmm. Um, okay. There was one that you would probably really like, James, where there was this like cocktail of hormones or something that just increased this guy's mental capacity to the point where he had like complete somatic control over his body. Hey, um, it's fascinating. Lucy. Yeah, and it's like developing new languages to express his thoughts because English was too unwieldy. <laughs> and then there's, yeah, it was an interesting story. I think you'd like that one. Um, so yeah, I just picked it up on Kindle. Um, what was it again? Stories of your life. Hmm. And did you say that this was by the same guy who did? Like, is it? It, it is that story of your life in that collection, or was it like inspired it by it? Or okay, cool. Yep. What's uh? What would you say like for someone who hasn't read uh, this person's style? Like, what would you say the kind of writing style is like reminiscent of, or even just like what does it make you kind of feel or think of? I guess. Um, it's very different from story to story. Mm-hmm. Um, he like completely changes how he writes, um, to like fit the characters. So, I don't know. That's cool. I'm, That's the mark I'm not of a good writer. Super well read, but I was mm-hmm. impressed by that. Oh, it's cool. Yeah. I've also uh, been reading through the newest Red Rising book, but I'm not quite done with it yet. So we'll talk about that some other time. Cool deal. Heck yeah. Well, to join John and bring our podcast up to being a place of culture, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to talk Ooh. about actually a comic strip I've been reading. Uh, For any of those who don't know, uh, gocomics.com is basically where all of the Sunday funnies are accessible from all of time. Like, they have the 
lockdown syndication everything on all of the Sunday comic strips, basically. You can buy prints of comic strips, license the comic strips. They got Calvin and Hobbes. They got all the biggins. But my I use Edge as the web browser. And when you open a new tab, okay, it'll like do the MSN Edge. Like, here's the scrolling like suggestions. And it'll bring up a bunch of different comic strips for the day. And okay, I, I occasionally would like click on the ones that really caught my attention and I realized I kept going back to the same one over and over. Nine Chickweed Lane. Because I was just fascinated by the art style and it that it was about uh, musicians. The, this uh, couple, a musician couple. Uh, a, ch- uh, a pianist and a... He's not a cellist. Is he a cellist? I don't know. Um... But they, and like, there were some really good ones I remember about, oh, things not to do, uh, like, there's one where he folds a paper airplane and throws it as, like, his wife is about to go on and play, and it's like, things not to do backstage, so, uh, like, basically, don't be distracting, and the second panel is that she's got it stuck in her cleavage. (laughs) Um... That's cute. Yeah, or like there's another one where like she finishes, gets up, and walks away. Like it's a, it was this whole little series of like basically mishaps that can happen as you're doing performances, and she gets up to walk away, and the piano stool is on her dress, so it starts going with her. <laughs> um, but I decided, you know what, I'm gonna go back to the beginning and like read through this. It just it really caught my attention. And I did a quick Google on it. It's, it was never like, it's, it's funny. It's this weird blend of funny, but not like gut-wrenchingly so. Romantic without overdoing it. Family, like, like family arguments and drama and shenanigans without being so overtly over the top as to avoid realism. And it's just been a fascinating, enjoyable read. And the artist does a lot of great stuff with uh, playing with the form. So, like, whenever they're, like, every so often they'll just get, like, all right, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna mess with the four-panel or three-panel theming. And we'll have the cat weave in and out of the panels. Or the dance, like, stretches across the panels. Or one they did for a Sunday strip was, like, the edge of the panel is, like, pulled all the way down to the bottom right corner because it got stuck on the cat's claw. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And God is named Monty. Hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. This is really cool, RJ. This is a really, really cool find. Um, It, it reminds me a lot of... Uh, the lines remind me a lot of, like, Al Hirschfield, um, almost... Uh, who was like a famous like illustrator in the 20th century. Um, I love how they're made. Uh, this is something I might, so you just found this like randomly browsing through this site, basically. Literally like when I open a new tab on my browser, it pops up a whole bunch of like suggest, like as it's waiting for me to put in whatever I want to put in, it's got the websites I go to most often at the top as like, I could just click. But then underneath that is literally just like a discover of here's a bunch of clickbait articles 
but also here's the World Cup coverage, and just looking at it now, not having scrolled at all, there is one, two, three different webcomics, basically from those kinds of websites, that I can just click on and go to that comic for the day. And, like, the, the scrolling option one has... Let me get back to the beginning to see how many it's got. Let's see, there's one... Uh, two, three, four. So, like, the scrolling, like, array of articles in the one corner has four comics in there as part of the rotation of different comic strips. Oh. So, so like, they'll literally just, whenever I open a new tab, it's like, here's a selection of comics from today. That's uh, that's like such a cool feature. That's uh, I should figure out if I can get that. Edge, it's really just the Edge browser, like the Microsoft Edge browser. Oh shit! You have an Android, don't you? I mean, I'm on PC right now, so. Oh, oh, you're talking about like yeah, uh, like on my oh, laptop. Shit. Okay, like I opened the computer. Oh shit! I thought you were talking about on your phone. No, for a this second. is this is just a, but like, honestly. Uh, the Go Comics is a great website. Like I said, it's got Calvin and Hobbes. It's got basically everybody and anything. So like, if there's a web- if there's a comic strip you really enjoyed, and you're like, I want to go back and read that, bam. Yeah, I'm gonna check. I I think I've been to Go Comics uh to read like some Calvin and Hobbes um like bits here and there it's it is it is like a pretty cool idea to have them all hosted there are there any rj that you like or are, are there any for you guys like that you gravitate towards like when you if you do go to like a diner that you try to find on uh in the sunday footies i guess um my go-to if i've got like just a newspaper mm-hmm. i'm really big on peanuts love peanuts that's my go-to, like, number one comic strip, probably. Like, Peanuts, Calvin and Hobbes. Mm-hmm. Um, Zitz is a classic for me. Yep. Yeah. Um, what other ones would I usually go to? Let's uh, let's see what pops up into... Oh, uh, not, uh, BC. Do you know that one? No, I don't. It's uh, Cavemen. It's a bunch of cavemen. Okay. Um... And then Farside's classic. Always a good one. Farside's good. I like Foxtrot. Foxtrot is fun. Foxtrot? Um, yeah, Foxtrot. I'm trying to remember which one was Foxtrot. Let me see. Let me Foxtrot's see. like, Let me it's kind of like X. angular. Yeah, it's got like a bunch of um, kids. Oh, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, Foxtrot's. I read all of Foxtrot. I always find that one funny. Um, I like uh, it's either Sally Forth or it's Luann. They're kind of more like I don't know how to say it. They're like girl comics, but I, there's one of them where I, I've always really liked it's the funny art you style. Say that Luann's the other one I've started getting into a little bit. Yeah, there's I, maybe that's the one I'm thinking of. The one that because it's like it's um, like very dry, kind of fun humor. Um, Let's see. Um, I guess I can look it up here. I don't this. see uh, Sally Forth on Go Comics, but they do have Luann. Let me see. But yeah, Luann's pretty good. It's kind of like, it, I guess it started off as high school, but now it's moved into more like young adult college. Yeah, that's what it looks like. 
Man, let's see when it started. Uh, these are all old. old. Yeah, this started like 1985. Oh, uh, Leo's another one I really like. Um, Leo. It's specifically, the reason I like, it's literally L-I-O. If you saw it like written out, it'd look almost like L-L-O. Because of how like close the I and the dot, it, like the dot on the I is. It's a very mm-hmm. scientific, like sci-fi, mad scientist kind of one. Um, like the random one I went to, it's a garden store, but the kid's walking out with a bag of gross seed. Grow your own gross ten times faster. Did you say it's L-I-O? Is yeah. that what you said? But the reason I love oh, that one cute. is there's one strip where the dad packs his lunch and packs him some super brain enhancing pills for his test and their jelly beans. Mm-hmm. It was just a very <laughs> sweet one that I I have tucked away somewhere. Yeah, that's cute. That's really good. Yeah, yeah. comics are great. I and like that's honestly where I started, you know, like I don't uh, I don't I don't think people appreciate the comic strip enough. I I would have to genuinely agree with you. I think there's such a great uh like little there's uh, there's just so cool. <laughs> like I got so, so nice. cuz I've been reading Nine Chickweed Lane, right? And in the beginning in the early years of the strip the grandma goes off about, like, oh, she helped General Patton win the war. Like, she helped him win mm-hmm. World War Two, And she worked with the OSS, and da-da-da-da. Well, finally, in, like, the mid to late 2000s, they go into the grandma's backstory, and it goes from being, like, a joke to this really super moving, emotional tale of, like, she was a singer for the soldier camps for the, for the American and British soldiers, and, like, her experiences with that, but then getting, put like, tapped by intelligence officers to be like, hey, you've got German background, do you speak German? Yes, you do. Great, we're sending you into the POW camps to sing German for the German soldiers that we've captured, and because people, like, are just desperate for some normalcy, they'll open up and talk to you and bring us back anything they tell you. And her experience doing that and, like, the problems with that and, like, the guy running the camp not knowing what she was doing because he wasn't, like, he was a ranking officer, but he wasn't working intelligence, so they didn't, they couldn't tell him. So he thinks she's just, like, an, uh, an enemy sympathizer and fraternizer. It, that it is very, like, that's very deep for uh, for a comic strip. And it was still, like... I, it, there was literally, like, one moment where I, like, was drawn to a couple tears over this fucking comic strip. And then the next, next week, they're just, they're still making jokes. And it's like, wait, like, holy shit. You're good. It'd be great, too, to find, like, some of these where you can, uh, where you can buy, like, the book or whatever. You know what I mean? You can, you can do that for most of them. Really? For a yeah. lot of these on here? Oh, yeah. Dang, I don't know yeah. how many, like, of books you can buy and how many, uh, 
books are available, but like I'm looking right now just underneath the Nine Chickweed Lane, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, nine books just for Nine Chickweed Lane, and then the author has another series called Pibgorn that appears to be like okay. fairies, fantasy kind of stuff. So yeah, you can buy the books. That's pretty cool. That is pretty, pretty cool, honestly. All right. What do we think? Shall we uh, do some advice? What's all this then? Yeah, let's give the people some advice. Better, uh, how to be a better buddy, where we give some real and some humorous advice. First piece of advice this week: go see fucking Oppenheimer and Barbie as a double feature. Just do it. It's like five hours. It's worth it. That's what I did on Sunday. You recommend it as a double feature? Absolutely. Okay. I'll put it this way: at one point during Barbie, I leaned over to one of the people, Eli, who's been on the show previously. I leaned over to him and whispered to him. I didn't think I was getting a double dose of fascism today. Yes. Yes! (laughs) Finally. I mean, oh no. What has this country come to? Uh, All the more reason to do it as a double feature. Oppenheimer is not quite as dread dreary disheartening as you would think. Um, Mm -hmm. It's it's not like happy movie, but it's better. it, It was not quite as depressing as I was expecting to walk out of the theater. However, Barbie was a lot funnier than I expected. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't really know what to expect with Barbie. I thought it was just going to be pink and loud and get on my nerves. And I... We were a nuisance in the theater because we could not stop laughing. Well, how, what was your watch order? Uh, Oppenheimer and then Barbie. Oh. Although, uh-huh. if I'd had my take on it, I would have gone Barbie than Oppenheimer. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of doing. I might honestly go and see them Saturday. Do um it. I might do that because what the hell else do I have to do? And like, they are both just generally good movies, stacked casts. Keep, keep art alive. I, I, I guess like that is, so something I've heard about these two is that some people are viewing this as a potential, new beginning in like a a heralding something new in American movies right now where it's been a long time since people got this excited over movies that were not directly related to an ongoing franchise or existing IP or something like that. Um, Uh, So some people Batman happened. What'd you say? Like, I, I don't, I don't think so. Continue. like the the point that people are making is like the idea that uh that this is either some people are saying this is the end of like American cinema because like this is the this is like this is the last gasp of whatever before the whole industry crashes other people are saying like oh this is um this may be something new like maybe we're going to get like bigger budget like these like weird original like movies now um, not that they're totally not related to IP, but like, you know, like something 
for being an IP movie, the Barbie movie is not really like a, it's not a cinematic universe here. We're not getting a sequel. Yeah. And I guess it's like, what do you guys like, like, do you guys welcome or what do you guys think about that? Like about those, those thoughts, I guess. I know those weren't like articulated super well, but. um, I feel like it's just the extreme ends of it, right? Like doom and gloom, cinema is dead and this is the last gasp, but there shall be no more films or this is the pinnacle of filmmaking and therefore all films shall be as such. They do that every time a movie makes $10 billion or $10 million. This is this is not a bad point. I mean, Endgame came out and people went, "Ah, fuck! Cinema is over. Ah, fuck! It's a new beginning." They did That's the same true. thing with Avatar. This is very true. I, I, no, those are those are points. Um, those are points like well made that this is sort of a cycle. I, I do think, think it, I do like, think it is interesting. I hope it gets a little bit more of the like we don't need pre-existing franchise to a degree. Like Oppenheimer's doing pretty good, but it's also yeah. a historical biopic. Like those tend to do good, relatively speaking. Yeah, like that. Like, well, yeah, I'll put it this I way. mean, not that they tend to do good, but they tend to be easier to green light. There's, there's, there's the idea at the very least, I think, I think you're right where it's like, they're not known as like, oh my God, like super popular, but they do well at award shows and they are like people, people go and see them because it is something is if you're able to cast it a certain way, people go and see them for sure. Whereas Barbie is a little bit more of a gamble because it is, it is a known IP, but it is very kind of a weird concept and that's hard to get people to go and see unless you frame it the right way which i think apparently they had a ridiculous marketing budget for it so um i don't know i i like i would like to see a return to what people would call like the mid-budget movies where it's like you know movies that cost like 50 to 80 maybe at the most like 100 million to make um yeah mid-budget and yeah, well, I mean, big budget is like yeah. 150, 200, 300, 400, you know. Um, um, but yeah, like some mid-budget movies that like are I fun love my and budget movies. Yeah, I mean, I actually I'm saying that, but I don't mid-budget know. movie to go watch. I'll talk about it next week. Plane. Plane. Yeah, is it recent? It came out in the last year or so. It's um, Gerard Butler, I think, and. Mike Coulter. If you don't know Mike Coulter, he was Luke Cage for the Netflix series and was in Halo 5 as Sergeant Locke, or Agent Locke. Oh, shit. Okay. Okay, let's see here. But it's like... Okay, so... It's a really good mid-budget action film that doesn't get too over the top. Tells its story. Nice, tightly wrapped. Sub two hours. Okay, so here's the thing to... So Barbie, so Oppenheimer cost about a hundred million to make, but it made four hundred thirty-four. It's made four hundred thirty-four million already. So it's it's no doubt made back its back its money. Um, what did Barbie make at the box office? Barbie was one hundred forty-five million to make, although it was supposed to be a hundred million. Um, it's made nearly seven hundred seventy-five million dollars globally. Yeah, Barbie's which is, gone nuts. It's gonna hit a. It's probably gonna hit a billion. Um, which is kind of insane because you have this movie that is 
beating out like a probably going to be like a returning sequel and then the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Um, and I am hoping, I am hoping that this sends the message to the suits who we love so very, very much that like, it's not like people don't want big movies, but they don't want like Just getting hammered. Each, exactly. Right. Like, I think that's the weird thing is that these movies do feel like spectacle, but they feel like the appropriate Hollywood spectacle, not yes. this kind of very extended. And like, again, you I know don't we've about this spend stuff. $500 million on a movie to mm -hmm. make it be a good movie. Yeah, exactly. Like people want, they want movie stars. They want to see like movie stars doing their shit. They want to see them like being weird and good acting or being like, yeah, exactly. Oh and it's like the fight scene in Barbie. <sighs> there's, there's a, there's a, there's a time and a place for the huge mega budget, big sci-fi, like superhero beat em up movies. There's, there's a place for those like absolutely and undeniably. It's just like we just need a little bit more balance to work in. I would love to see movies with even smaller budgets than Barbie and Oppenheimer get like greenlit and and like produced. I don't know. I don't know. John, any any uh any thoughts on this, I guess? Um None super strong ones. I agree with the sentiment that it's a good thing, that it's not just like a sequel or a reboot, and it's something new. Um, there has been, you know, a lot of nostalgia farming over the last few years, and well, Oppenheimer can be maybe considered the same thing, because it's kind of about historical events. Yes, I'm so nostalgic <laughs> for the bomb. I love the Manhattan Project. Oh, <laughs> Los Alamos, um, here I come. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, okay, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. Radiation saw... sickness, anyone? <laughs> I um, I at least like the fun of everybody being excited about it together. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. It's I know it's like a little astroturf, like it's a little artificial and sort of by marketing, but it is still kind of fun to see people like it feels I, like to people. To be fair, the marketing picked up after people made it a thing. Yeah, like yeah, like that's that's probably fair to to a degree. Like these things are always like a little the, bit. Uh, it's like the marketing nudged. that came out when Doom and um, Animal Crossing came out. That is true. Like the marketing the picked up officially, but people oh, made fair. the disparity happen first. That's uh no that's that's a that's a point well taken honestly. Speaking really quick too. Speaking of press, I I was reminded when you were talking about uh, John, we were talking about Oppenheimer. There was a Twitter screen cap I saw of um, I don't know if this is true or not, but apparently for maybe obvious reasons, Oppenheimer is not doing so well in Japan. I don't even know if they're like technically allowing it to be shown. <laughs> I wonder um, why. Uh, and I saw a Twitter screen cap where, uh, like, a movie review website just had, uh, like, a bunch of negative re reviews from, like, Japanese critics, and the headline was, uh, Oppenheimer bombs in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, uh, yes. They saw the opportunity, and they took it. Uh, oh, no, this is a fascinating it's... map John has just shared to us. Yes. It is, my, uh, um... is Barbie trending or Oppenheimer in the United States? Um, we, okay. Mississippi, you're pulling real strong for Barbie. I'm surprised at how strong Barbie is pulling in the South. 
I'm going to assume it's maybe they have a big sorority culture there. I'm going to assume possibly. That's gotta be it. But I, but I could be wrong. I, mean, okay, I might just be stereotyping. Scale, the scale is negative 20 to 20, with negative 20 being Barbie is trending more, 20 being mm-hmm. Oppenheimer is trending more, and then right in the middle, it's it's nothing. Mississippi is at a negative 20. Louisiana is at a negative 14. Arkansas is at a negative 12. Missouri is at a negative 4. Kentucky is at a negative 10. West Virginia is at a negative 8. Tennessee at negative 6. South Carolina at negative 8. Georgia at negative 6. Alabama at negative 6. Texas at negative 6. That's Barbie hey country. It's those Southern Bells. They they and love, they love that Barbie. They love South the... Dakota. South Dakota and North Dakota are perfectly split, where North Dakota is at a two towards Oppenheimer, and South Dakota is at a negative two. Arizona is oh, at a negative two. Nevada is at a negative four. Oregon is a negative two. Idaho is a negative two. This is the real demographic map of the United States. This is yeah. what they should use to chart election results. <laughs> it is not that different of a map. But you I'm, say I'm, that, I'm, and then you look at Washington, Calif- Washington, California, Montana, Utah, Colorado, Alaska, yeah. and New York, uh, North Dakota, Minnesota, Kansas, are all, and Virginia are all pulling towards Oppenheimer. Man, that is fascinating. New that York, is, Virginia hey, look. both have the same pull of op- towards Oppenheimer of eight. Montana's at a four. Washington's at an eight. Col- New Mexico's at a 16 for Oppenheimer. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's set there. Yeah. But, like, California That's, and Alaska uh, are almost the same, with California to six and Alaska to four. Yeah, like, all the East Coast states except for Maryland are for Oppenheimer, basically, and technically Delaware. Um, That's fascinating. This, this does not fall along political lines, I don't think. Are you it's chaotic just, uh, Barbie or lawful Oppenheimer? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh... Having watched both those films... I uh, I may dispute that uh, that assessment. <laughs> yeah, Damn. that's probably fair. Well, it's the alignment all... chart, you know. You get all nine options. Yeah, I'll have to see him. I'll have to see him. I want Barbie, but dressed as Oppenheimer. That's what I want. Yeah. And then I want Dude, Oppenheimer. That's how yeah. you should attend the movie. You should cosplay as oh. Oppenheimer for the Barbie movie. Oh, that's brilliant! Show up to the Barbie movie dressed as Oppenheimer. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Oppenheimer actually, to the Bar- whatever the ba- yep. Barbie to the Oppenheimer, whatever one, that's, other way around. That's brilliant, actually. Yeah. Uh, asking some advice questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, gonna skip to the second question. How much would you be willing to modify your personal appearance in order to satisfy the preferences of your significant other? With the further details, could be your wardrobe, weight, height, hair, or weight, hair on your head, face, body, or something else I'm not thinking of. Um, probably like a 6 out of 10, or 5 out of 10. I don't know. I, I don't really feel like I've found my style yet, so I'd be willing to try some things. I... I- yeah. I, I think I'm like a four to six out of ten. I'd be willing to try some things. Like, I'll be honest, I've got a very large bushy beard and long hair. I'd be willing to try a style of hair or specific shave, but I would not be like... I, I'd style my beard in a new way. I wouldn't fully shave my beard, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, as for like clothing and stuff, 
I'd I'd make it a collaboration, but I would not give over full control. Particularly because I it's not much of a sense of style, but damn it, I've got one. <laughs> I found what yeah, works I mean... for me. I found what I'm comfortable wearing. I yeah, think... I, yeah. What I would have say? some boundaries, but yeah, full control is ridiculous. Like, yeah, no. <laughs> although I would change my deodorant and soap without hesitation. Wow. Yeah. Now, hang on. Apron. I'd have a little bit of hesitation on the soap, only because everybody, like everybody, shits on three-in-one soap. But I tell you, I get everybody compliments my hair. Like, everybody's like, oh, three-in-one soap, it's, if you're an adult man using three-in-one soap, you're not a man, it sucks shit, it destroys your hair. I, damn it, I've got the longest, most luscious hair anybody has ever seen, and I use three-in-one, so don't at me. Yeah, you fucks. I would say, I think I'm actually around where John is, I'm at about a six out of ten, like, I, I... Currently, I actually have I have like a mustache, like a like a slowly turning into like a handlebar mustache. Um, I would get rid of that if my significant other was like not a fan of it. Um, I've never really been attached to any facial hair. I would still I'm growing it out for a Halloween costume, so that is the only thing I would say is like I would what still costume? want the. I, I'm not telling anybody. Uh, oh. gonna, it's gonna be a surprise. I'm sorry. Fair. Um, uh, but yeah, like, and I, I like the style that I have. I think it's a little regular ish. Um, it's kind of like dad on vacation, I guess, like Hawaiian t-shirts, uh, like kind of baggy Hawaiian t-shirts, like in the, um, and, and like khakis and tennis shoes with higher socks, like in the, in the summer and then in the fall and the colder months, like sweaters and jeans and same sneakers and all that. So and I'll change it up occasionally. But if somebody if somebody like had a suggestion for like a style upgrade, um, I would definitely like hear them out and, and try it on and see if it like fit. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I'd like to think, I don't know, like I'm I'm comfortable with relatively like my weight uh, and my appearance for the most part. So if someone was like, oh, like, you should really bulk up, like, I'd, I'd probably, I'd, like, think about it, but I'd be like, oh, I don't really know if I want to do that. So, still, though, like, six out of ten. Like, I'd, I'd want to hear them out and maybe give some things a try. And who knows? They could be right. So. Yeah. I don't think bulking up is in my uh, vocabulary, but, you know. <laughs> you never know. You never know. The right woman could, could change your life, RJ. Yeah. I don't have the time. Oh, <laughs> never say never. It's it's enough. It, it's frankly, it's starting to get a little bit of a pain in the ass. How much time I am spending exercising because I'm trying to work down. I'm I'm debating how much reevaluation you'd make, but that's a question for like three months from now. <laughs> Fair uh, point. Our next advice question, probably our last one this week, but we'll see. Uh, how much time weekly do you set aside to do something adventurous or fun slash social? Uh, one hour on Wednesday evenings. What is that one hour concerned with, John? Is it just a, an adventure hour? Anything can happen at the adventure hour? Yeah, it's called podcasting. <laughs> I, oh, I have like I about that. nine hours a week. One of which oh, is the man. Wednesday night adventure hour starring John and James. 
Oh, mm-hmm. thank you, sir. I'm happy to be a part of it. I would say from Thursday evening to basically Sunday morning is uh, is my <laughs> adventure time. <laughs> I, I I leave I leave. It's all open, baby. It's all it's all it's all gravy. Um, Friday it does, basically doesn't count as a real day. Everybody knows that. Everywhere you know, let's not be squares. Um, and uh, man. F- you feel good on like a Friday evening. You want to head out somewhere. You want to go do something. You want to, you know, see something, be somewhere, be somebody, have a conversation, you know, do something. Um, that's usually what I do. Uh, I wish I ever felt like that. Oh, you gotta just, <laughs> yeah, just boogie down, boogie down to the main street. You gotta have absolutely no shame. <laughs> those are the two, the two components. Uh, it's uh, it's like more chemical acts. Barnacle onto. Also, also that works. That works as well. Um, it doesn't always work in your favor. Sometimes you get caught in places, and you're like, "Oh man, I." How did this here. happen to me? <laughs> yeah. Wow, what a wacky adventure <laughs> I'm in right now, man. Hi, Mister Biker. Um, but yeah, I would say I don't know. I mean, here's a question for you guys. I know, like. You're not super huge into going out, but what do you think is better, Friday night or Saturday night? In terms of Friday night or Saturday night, Ooh. just in Overall. general, yeah, like going out. Like I, I'm thinking of like if you're going out with a group of friends, someone suggests, "Hey, let's do you know, let's do X Y Z." Uh, would you be like, "Cool, we should do it Friday," or we should do it Saturday, or you know, like, what's your opinions? I guess on uh, I... even if like you took you know. Between the two. I prefer a Saturday night. And my reason really? is, I can make it happen on a Friday night. I can get out. I can do whatever. But it's that getting off of work, like, time crunch on there where it's like, you didn't really have time to decompress and, like, process and get into the mindset. You're just there. Mm-hmm. And then you spend your Saturday counting their recovery, like, the, uh, the next morning, you know? And then you got Sunday. So, like, I see the benefit. But if you do Saturday, you get Friday night to chill. You get Saturday to do your stuff. And you, like, decompress. And you get out. You go. You hang out. Have a great time. Sunday, you can take the morning to recover. You're going to recover anyway. Because Sunday, you just do your chores. You do the laundry. Clean up a little bit. Do some dishes. You're going to do them anyway. You're not leaving the house on Sunday anyway. You weren't going to do anything anyway. So what's it matter if you're messed up? I think that's uh, point we'll take it. Yeah, John, what do you yeah. got to say? I'd actually prefer Friday, if only for momentum. Like, mm. Saturdays are not always super busy, so it's kind of hard to, like, be active after not doing anything all day. Um Whereas Friday, you can just roll into it. Although with the way my job works, I never know when I get off work sometimes. So there's the whole layered venture of making plans that might not happen because I cancel at the last minute. Man, you're like a private detective. You're always on call. Duty calls. Counterpoint, all the more reason to make it a Saturday because Friday may go forever. Oh, absolutely. But if you do go out, then you have two weekend days to recover instead of just one. But it, I, this is true. Don't go that hard anyway, so it doesn't really matter. 
I I would say I I I will say I like a Friday night because I like the energy. I think an energy on a Friday night is almost unbeatable because there's this relative like no one you get the sense that sometimes like no one has really had much time to prepare to go out so it's like people are kind of like showing up as they are and they're like blowing what i really love about a friday is it feels like people are blowing off all the steam from the weekend that's built up like the energy on a friday night like somewhere around like six or seven if you're at like a nice outdoor patio or something like that you can tell the people are like getting geared up to like really go for the night like that is that is really unbeatable for me at the same time i will say for saturday if you have like a certain group of friends like you can plan to be like okay like we'll go out to lunch we'll hang out we'll go here and then we'll like slowly build into this night that has this much more sort of like sweeping color to it is like what i would say like friday is like a really great episode of tv saturday is like a cool hangout movie um, is how I would phrase it. So I think it really depends on your tone. I usually prefer a Friday because I, I ride on that energy a lot, but a really good Saturday is unbeatable. Um, that's my verdict. That's fair. All right. Well, I think that's it for this week. Sounds uh, good, Rooney. Thank you both for joining. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks. Thank you to the band Problem of Interest for letting us use the song Living in the Moment off the album Cross Off Yesterday. You can find them on iTunes and Spotify. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are sold. We're also on social media. Our Facebook is Better Buddies, where we have our meme Mondays. Our Twitter is at Better Budcast. Use the hashtag Better Buddies. Oh, sorry. Our X account is b- at Better Budcast. Use the hashtag Better Buddies when you tweet about the show. And our Gmail account is betterbuddiescast at gmail.com. You can send us fan art, hate art, fan mail, hate mail, declarations of love and or war, icebreakers you want us to answer, or questions you need advice on. Remember, if we get to 100 downloads on a single episode, we will review gum. And last but not least, be a better buddy. Actually, not everybody loves cake. I hate to break it to you. Do you not like? Oh, I do love not cake. like. I prefer cake, cake. But there are plenty of people who prefer pie, and they are wrong for it. Uh, those infidels. It's all right. Do you Don't like cake, John? I'm probably more of a pie person. Oh my! Ice cream God. cake, though. It is a it is okay. a real shame. We're only able to have one guest on this week. <sighs> Yeah, I can leave. Sorry, bro. <laughs> no, 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 please don't. You're not going to be part of our new pastry-based caliphate. Sorry to tell you. Why <laughs> is our pastry? Yeah, but it, it's not, they're, not our, they're not our specific pastry. <laughs> pastry not was not my used. pastry. Not my pastry. <laughs> <laughs> the other candidate, the other pastries, false, wrong, <laughs> Right. He's got he's he's fruity. He's a little fruity, folks. All right, what kind of pastry has fruit? Okay. Oh my god, we should just get the show now. <laughs>